Hey guys, and welcome to our first Words of Radiance episode. A couple things to note for this episode. We had some internet issues, so the video freezes uh, pretty frequently as throughout this episode, but the audio is still fine. And just a reminder that we launched a, a Discord server, and you can come join us and talk about uh, all sorts of different things in the Cosmere and with other people. So come join us in there and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is the first week of Words of Radiance. We have finished The Way of Kings last week. We did our finale episode, and we are jumping right in to Words of Radiance. What are your hopes and dreams for this book? Before we really hop into it, I want to know what you are most looking forward to, what you hope is in the book, what you hope isn't in the book, if you have any of those. We can start with you, Paul. Yeah, so certainly uh, some answers uh, for one. <laughs> for two, uh, this is, as I've learned, this is Shalon's book. So I'm really hoping to see some some really good action and exciting content from Shalon. As we saw at the end of the of, of the way of kings it got really exciting so i'm really really hopeful for that um i'm excited to to begin to love shalon chapters so that's my hope for for the book okay uh elliot hopes and dreams huh that that, that that's a big question there i i would echo paul's on on shalon i think way of kings was a really cool setup for her character, but I really want to know like where she's headed now. I, I feel like we didn't really get into the depth of who she is, what she struggles with. We just got a lot of hints. We got a lot of ominous hints. So I, I'm real curious to see where she goes. And I hope it's a, th- this might be saying the bar too high, but hopefully as interesting a journey as we just had with, with Kaladin in, in way of Kings. But I think the second thing that I just, dying to know about is Voidbringers. I really, really want to know what is up with those Voidbringers. Are they Parshendi? I'm on the hunt for that. I'm hoping I get an answer to that in the next 1,300 pages. Yeah, in reference to his question from before, Parshendi, no Dalinar? It's <laughs> <That was> my, <laughs> right? my favorite. Exactly. Still. Yeah, I, I actually am very curious about that, but yes. I agree. So when when we started The Way of Kings, I asked you guys expectations on not only The Way of Kings, but the Stormlight Archive. And Elliot, you said they were extremely high. And and then at the end of The Way of Kings, you said that they met your, that Way of Kings met your expectations. So I'm assuming it's the same for Words of Radiance. Your expectations are still that high? Honestly, I think my expectation for Words of Radiance might be slightly below Way of Kings just because it's a book two. It my, my expectations for a book two are always slightly lower just because, I mean, sequels, follow-on movies, you know, any, anything that attempts to follow something that's been done really well the first time is really challenging. to. It's hard to live up to that first instance of, of this was awesome so i'm expecting words of radiance to suffer from that just a little bit and that it'll pale slightly in the shadow of way of kings that's that's just totally a guess so my expectations are a little bit lower which probably works in way of words of radiance's favor probably that's fair what are your expectations paul 
I think I'm slightly the exact opposite. I think I'm I my expectations for this book are a little higher uh, since we don't have as I'm assuming we won't have as much of like an intro slow period to this book. Um, they'll kind of That's be true. a quicker take off there. My expectations are super high for for what all's going to happen. Um, a little higher than than with the way of kings, but I'm super excited either way. So, gotcha. Cool. I can definitely see it both ways. How you just came off this huge high of the way of kings, and it was really great, and so you're fully expecting to be led into it more slower, you know, and ramp back up um, slower. But then at the same time, we don't have to put in the groundwork of Roshar that we did in the Way of Kings. So you already you already know where we are. You know, already know the characters, some of them at least. Mm-hmm. Throw us right into the action. Yeah. All right. So do you have two words for um, the prologue through chapter two? We'll start with Elliot. I do have two words, as always. My two words for the first few set of chapters is assassins and change. Assassins, change. Paul, do you have two words? I do, I do. I have shadows and rhythmic. Rhythmic and shadows, change and assassins. All right, let's let's discuss these words. I'm most curious about rhythmic. Was that your word, Paul? Let's start there. What is what does rhythmic mean? I hope I didn't uh, make you too excited about it. That um, so rhythmic was mostly with something that is, I think, a little exclusive to catch on the audiobook. Um, as we hear in the prologue, where the the Parshendi admits to being responsible for Elokar's death. Uh, there's a very you, you hear how they speak and it's a very kind of bizarre rhythmic like pacing to their voice and it really stuck out to me it was very eerie and uh, everything and so that was the main reason why I chose that it's not incredibly like uh, applicable to the to the entirety of the episode but it was something that super stuck out like very well stuck out to me like with the stuff going on there so um i thought it was notable enough to be one of my two words and with my other word shadows um it's a little bit of everything so one of which which we'll talk about is the physical descriptions of yasna's shadow which i thought was super exciting and i want to talk about I want to talk about before Elliot has the chance, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, that, as well as I think there was a good amount of foreshadowing in these opening chapters in the prologue, as well as a lot of appearances with shades more. So I thought it was pretty fitting to have shadows as um, one of my two words. Sure. Uh, Elliot, you want to tell us a little bit about yours? Yeah, mine aren't aren't too crazy thinky or anything. My my first thought after reading this this chapter was just assassins, assassins everywhere. Everyone is trying to assassinate everyone else. 
we we just came off of way of kings with zeth assassinating everyone and and their mother and then getting sent off to assassinate dalinar here we launch right into words of radiance with the very first sentence being you know i'll have to read it in a second but yasna is prepared to assassinate someone like what so lots of assassins and then change change mainly for the kaladin chapter that we get but also kind of shalon as well fitting for the start of a book we're launching right into a lot of change for our characters the the men of bridge four are encountering a lot of change with basically the shift from bridgemen into soldiers it's even noted i think at the beginning of chapter two that it seems like everything in kaladin's life every change is marked by a high storm and i thought that was kind of cool so change Gotcha. All right. So kind of tied into your assassins, Elliot, which we'll talk about here in a second. But our, we do have a spell check for this week. For just one just one word. And it is the name of Elokar's wife. And I'll have Elliot go first. And how would you like to pronounce this name? All right. Elokar's wife. As I read it, I pronounced self as Asadan. Okay. Asadan. Uh, Paul, how do they say it in the audiobook? Elliot was very close. As far as I remember from the audiobook, they say Asadon. Mm-hmm. I believe, yes, okay. Asadon. Like Shalon, uh, Asadon. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so with that, I, I probably overcomplicated the spelling again, but my guess as to how to spell Asadon was actually A C E U D O N. Ace, wait, can you say that again? Yes, A C E U D O N. It's probably way off, but uh, about fifty percent. Yeah, it's not it's not your most accurate, yeah. but it's certainly not your least accurate either. Um, it's A E. S U D A N. Fair. Fair. Yep. A Sudan is Elokar's wife. And. A Sudan. Got it. Jumping into the prologue with where we uh, hear about A Sudan for the first time. Um, does anyone want to lead us off here? It's the yes. night that Gavilar was killed from Yasna's perspective. Go for it, Paul. Yes. I do want to lead this off. I want to leave this off partly because I picked up on something right away that I knew Elliot would pick up on, but I wanted to have it known that I remembered this as well and actually did my research back in the way of cases where this was applicable. And I just want to, wanted to get this off my chest before Elliot obviously brings it up. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, great point, Elliot, you know? <laughs> um, so, so we get a lot of, excuse me, a flashback chapter basically for, for Yasna where we see the night um, where Gavilar is assassinated. And there's a lot of awesome stuff here. And right off the bat, it talks about uh, Yasna's shadow going towards light. And I was like, I know we heard that instantly. And that was with the Amians. We learned about Axes in, a, in an interlude chapter in the middle of the book. And so there has to be a connection there. I don't know exactly what it is. It doesn't seem likely that Yasna is Amian, from what I understand. So I don't know if that's a 
thing with all Amians, or if she is an Amian, I feel like that would be some strange plot twist, which is kind of possible. Um, or I don't know if that's another thing, like maybe to do a sprint or something like that. Um, but yes, I just wanted that to be known that I I noticed that. and <laughs> So very cool. Good thought, Paul. I agree. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just one other thing I'll, I'll, I'll tack onto that. Yeah. You hit on all the questions I have too. I, I'd originally assumed when we read that chapter about axes, that that shadow thing had to do with him being a Amian, but that clearly seems to now not be the case. So maybe it has to do with like the order of Knights Radiant that perhaps Yasna is, is pursuing or is aligned with or whatnot, but I don't know. Now, now I'm confused. So the only thing I'll say here is when this happens, Yasna, th this has happened to Yasna before, and it's not a constant thing that happens to Yasna. Um, so she noticed it when it does happen, and she also is afraid that she's cursed. So she sees her shadow going the wrong direction, and Sadius just kind of walks right through it. And then Yasna's kind of alarmed and looks around, but nobody's noticed it, or at least she thinks nobody's noticed it. And um, and then she kind of like goes about her day, but then quick, well, her day gets even more strange. About like five minutes later, as she accidentally falls into Shadesmar for the first time, but she goes and meets with. Does she meet with the assassin after Shadesmar or before? After. Okay. So look, we can talk about we can talk about Shadesmar for now. She's she's describes it as a sea of beads, like we've seen Shalon describe it as. And she's like frantically looking around and touching a bunch of beads. And she finds like a lamp, a um the palace itself, like a, a whole bunch of different things. And she finds a statue, which I'll come back to in a second. Um, she, she finds a statue and then later she kind of personifies it to defend herself against some shade oily being. What are your guys' first impressions of this? My first impression of kind of the whole interaction, at least with Shalon falling into shades more is she figured things out kind of quickly and I don't quite understand. I mean, this is kind of just a testament to her brilliance, but we do see her like stumble into random things like a cup and whatnot and with this statue. Um, I don't fully know what to make of it, but it does seem like she has, I guess, the power to still like create things in the cognitive realm, I guess like more tangible things by almost manipulating these beads or whatever. It's still kind of confusing and, and fuzzy, but we do that see that she is able to like kind of put things together, I guess. So there's, it's bizarre. I honestly don't know entirely. My, my thoughts on this were, before she goes into Shadesmar, she sees the shadow, like the 
the oily surfaced shadow kind of form this figure and then she goes into Shadesmar and then I think she sees that same figure again in Shadesmar, right? That's why she kind of animates the statue to to defend herself. On on first read through, I, I read the those shadows as rather antagonistic or, you know, meaning her harm. Kind of like we thought first of the the symbol heads that were coming after Shallan. You know, you read that chapter, oh, they're chasing her, oh, they're they're trying to get her. But then when you kind of read it again, I thought same as I thought on the symbol heads again, maybe they're not necessarily out to get her. Maybe maybe this figure is like trying to trying to guide her. Maybe it's it's trying to get her to go into Shadesmar and then when he when it's in Shadesmar, he's trying to, you know, provoke her into doing things, interacting with the the beads that are there to do things by kind of, you know, coming after her. I wasn't really sure, but I kind of had a feeling that, that that oily shadow may not be quite as bad or enemy like as maybe it seemed at first sure the last time that we saw something described as oily and shadowy was in a dalinar vision actually and he is fighting what he describes as the midnight essence and their skin is uh their skin is described as oily reflective and when you when you stab them, a bunch of smoke comes out. So that's the last time we've seen something described this way. But you're right; it doesn't it doesn't attack her, especially after she summons the statue to sit in front of her and look menacing. Um, I yeah. do I do want to read a quote from this section. Yasna held up a second bead, the statue she'd sensed earlier. She gave it power, and other beads collected before her taking the shape of the one of the statues that lined the front of the feast hall, the statue of Telenalat Elin, herald of war, a tall, muscular man with a large shard blade. Now, with that in mind, I want to go back to The Way of Kings and read part of that prologue. This is Zeth. You're in the perspective of Zeth. And he's between... The servants' feast, or the beggars' feast, which is outside in a courtyard, and the light eyes' feast, and this is what Zeth says. Zeth brushed by, continuing past a line of statues depicting the ten heralds from ancient foreign theology: Yezrian, Ishi, Kalek, Telenalot. He counted off each one, and realized there were only nine here. One was conspicuously missing. Why had Shalash's statue been removed? King Gavilar was said to be very devout in his foreign worship. Too devout by some people's standards. Any thoughts before I explain a little bit? So my, th- my first thought on that might be like, while Walyasna is, is doing these things in Shades Mar, did she like actually soul cast the real statue that was there in the hallway into like smoke or something that we've seen her do it before and, and maybe made that, that statue disappear. And that's why there's one missing there. But the statue that she interacted with was Talena lot. And Zeth specifically knows that the one that's missing was, I forget the name. He just Shalash. said it was a different one. Shalot, yeah. yeah. So that doesn't seem plausible. I don't know. 
Paul? Yeah. I don't I don't I see the correlation, I guess, between the the heralds having statues, but I I guess it seems normal that there would be a statue of one of the the heralds that uh is it like the missing one isn't the one as far as I know that's being displayed here, so I don't I guess see the correlation there. Um, I, I would be more curious if it was Shalot's statue, I guess, that she found in Shades more because that would be more interesting. Um, but I, I, don't, I guess I don't quite get the correlation other than that there's a lot of stuff with the Heralds is, is exciting and cool, but I don't quite get it, you know? Sure. Um, and that's kind of you're supposed to be your reaction. It's like, oh, yeah, statues, something I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Important. Yep. And you guys are going to kind of hate me for this, but I don't think I'm going to explain very much. Um, I'm just going to bring it up of to course. have you guys think about it. Because you're right that, okay. that the statues are not are not the same statue. Um, Yasna isn't like teleporting one of the statues to herself, or she might be. It's just may not be when Zeth's walking by it. Um, but it's not the same statue, so it's a different statue that's missing um in front of the in front of the great hall so i just wanted to bring up statues thank you for helping my wine yeah yeah you're welcome to say thank you for uh giving me some you know just some normal food for thought for the next book sure next several months until you get to oathbringer and read the prologue again yep from someone else's perspective exactly yep Exactly. All right. So moving on through through Shades Mar, unless you guys had uh, any other thoughts. Yasna goes to a meeting with an assassin. And she kind of has a discussion with, I don't remember her name, but. Um, Liz, I believe. Yeah, it was it, Liz. It's spelled L I S S in the book. Like Liz or Liz. Oh, yeah. Probably Liz. And you don't immediately know why this meeting is happening, but you do figure it figure it out eventually. But the the immediate reaction is Oh, Yasna hired Zeth to kill Gavilar. Wait, what? And then it's revealed like, oh no, it's not really related, but it, that's still your initial reaction, and Elliot, you have that in the timeline, so I just wanted to bring it up. Any thoughts there? That that was my reaction to the very first sentence of the book. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. First sentence of the prologue, you're jumping into Words of Radiance, and you get this. Yasna Colin pretended to enjoy the party, giving no indication that she intended to have one of the guests killed. Like, stop right there. The person that we know gets killed at this party is Gavilar, you know, like, ah, Yasna's going to be the one that hired Zeth to, to kill Gavilar. But that, of course, we find out is is not the case. But that's what I was very afraid of for the first half of this uh, this prologue here. But we find out that instead of that, she wants to potentially assassinate Elokar's wife. Did I catch that correctly? Asudon. Yeah. I don't know what to think of that. We don't know anything about her yet, so we don't really have a reason to to decide whether this is a good move or not. But this seems like, whoa, why why is Yasna 
contemplating assassinating Elokar's wife. Her sister-in-law, right? Mm-hmm. Her sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh... So I don't know where my mind was, but I never once thought that uh, Yasna was behind uh, Gavilar's assassination. I, <laughs> I don't. I was like, oh, who's she trying to? Who's she trying to get after? You know. And we do see it. Uh, isn't like the plan just to spy on her though? At this point, she's inquiring with so with she list to to spy, and then she has two envelopes and. <laughs> This is the impression you get, at least, is that one, she lays one envelope on the table, and then she changes her mind last second and lays the second envelope on the table, which the second envelope just tells her to be a maid in the castle and keep an eye on a Sudan and report back. That's the only that's the only thing that she's planning right now. Um, but you're under the impression that the first envelope was to go kill a Sudan right now. That that was the original plan. Um, but Yasna takes that back and only ha- tells her to spy. This could be kind of a reach. So we don't know anything about a Sudan really. Um, we know who she is, I guess, but that's it. Um, I d- have thought it's kind of interesting how seemingly pathetic Elokar is in a sense, like he's kind of a whiny king, you know? Sure. And I think it's possible that maybe there's more to him that we don't know. And maybe that was kind of an intentional, don't worry about Alakai. He's just a arrogant young king who doesn't know what's going on. Right. Um, maybe there's a lot more to him than meets the eye. Or maybe his wife has a, a lot of stuff that we don't know about. So it's, it's kind of becoming apparent that at least something is really important. There's just the fact that Yasna is at least spying on her is pretty telling, but uh, I don't know exactly what's going on there. Any, any guesses, Elliot? I I really don't know at this point. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Asadon has, has more to do than we think. Maybe she's more involved in the, the greater picture here. I mean, in, Back in Way of Kings, or in present-day Shattered Plains, I guess, we have we know that she's back in Kolinar, right? Kind of running the kingdom yep. while, while Elkar's out at the Shattered Plains. They've kind of just been assuming that she's doing a good job. Maybe there's something a little more sinister going on there. I don't know. But you also... But during present-day present Shattered Plains, you're right, she is alive. And so Yasna doesn't end up going through with this, or at least six years right. six years later, she's still alive. So either she failed, or and and she's still alive back in Kolinar, or she doesn't end up assassinating her. So, and, and nor does she seem like super fixated on that, or still attempting to subvert or assassinate or work against Asadan that we've seen so far. So, hmm. I bet I bet later in the book we'll. I would guess that we'd see another conversation between her and Liz, and we'll see what's happened in this last six years and kind of what's going on there. Um, it may not be something incredibly major, but I, I bet we'll figure out like at least why she wanted to do this or what, what's going on there. I'm I'm guessing this is some foreshadowing for Asadon entering the story at some point and us mm-hmm. getting some interactions between her 
and Yasna and maybe figuring out what that history between the two of them is and what that, why Yasna wanted to have her killed at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how much are you willing to bet? Because last prologue, we had a, a shadow stone that never came into the story ever again. This is true. <laughs> this is up. true. That Maybe we get the answer to the, the dark sphere in this book, and then we get the answer to Asadon in the next book. Yeah, that yeah. better not be the case. Bold, bold. <laughs> I would take. I would take finding out about the dark sphere in this book. I would take that for sure. Yeah, I probably would too. I don't think we're gonna find out in this book, but, but uh, I hope. All right. Any other thoughts on the prologue before we jump into chapter one? Oh, I, I do have some more on on the prologue. Sure. Um, so in this time, it's kind of interesting. So we find out that Liz was Zeth's owner, I, I guess as well. He, she, um, and she kind of got rid of him. She was like, "He's too good. He's a Shen man. He's too obedient. He's a storming creepy that fellow is." She says something like that. Um. It's a little off-putting, and uh, Yasta also knows something is weird because she notices this Shen man, who we know as Zeth, um, before, and uh, you know that was kind of interesting. So I don't actually know. Well, we know that that he was sent by the Parshendi, or as far as we know, um, that was. But so I thought it was very weird, and very like uncomfortable almost so at the end of the prologue Yasna it describes basically her witnessing the assassination of, of Gavilar and then right after that like right after um, there are three Parshendi or Parshman behind her who apologizing and like sorry we killed your father um, it was us it needed to be done and she's like why and they're like i don't i don't remember i should have remembered this better but but basically I saying i can tell you if you yes i would appreciate it if you remember they tell her that he was about to do something very dangerous yeah and this was very uncomfortable to, especially to listen in the audiobook i don't know if trevor remembers this but it was very sing-songy their voice was in the audiobook like sorry we killed your father and it was like really bizarre and i don't know it kind of made me i don't it, it was wild i don't know what else to say it made me a little i don't know it was way too like casual they're just like hey sorry about it we had to do it and so i'm i don't know I'm extremely curious about the the Parshendi now and about the Voidbringers, kind of like Elliot mentioned before. Uh, but I, I feel like specifically the audiobook and how it presented that scenario, it kind of gave me insight, I guess, onto how the Parshmen act and behave and, and things like that. And I thought it was actually very interesting. And I highly recommend listening specifically to the prologue for that moment on the audiobook. Yeah, I do. I do remember yeah. that because Kate Redding does a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. She also, it's not important, but there was a, a name that she says wrong for like a good while. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of something else. It's actually in chapter one. <laughs> she changes Yalb's voice and it totally threw me off. 
I don't, but, uh, I don't anyway, remember that, but I do believe you. <laughs> I, I was really confused for a while who was talking, but yes. The the sing songiness is interesting because yeah, I didn't I don't know if that's described in the book at all, but I didn't pick up on that at all. So that's interesting and and seems to correlate well with their like singing in battle. You know, song seems to be something that they're aligned with. Interesting note. Yeah. Speaking of chapter one. Mm-hmm. Shalon is on the wind's pleasure and she is drawing Shadesmar in her sketchbook. Any anyone want to take this uh, for a spin chapter one? So here at the beginning or throughout chapter one, really, we get some interesting bits of information about Shadesmar and about Spren. And as usual with the Shalon chapter, I'm left with more questions than answers but we at least get some answers here. We get, I think, definitive proof. We, we kind of already had this already, that the Shadesmar is the cognitive realm, and we learn a little bit that it's it's a it's a place, but it's not a place. It's all around us. It's it's kind of like an alternate reality almost, it seems like. I think Yasna de- describes it as like the mind equivalent of the physical like body world that we currently inhabit. So it's it's like the mental version of this world and we've seen before references to mind body and soul so i side note i thought this was interesting that if there's a body world and a mind world shadesmar is there a third world the soul world and i'm curious just because when we first met spren at the very beginning i kind of assumed that they were like souls that they were souls of inanimate objects this seems to make this that very clear that they're the mind equivalent of objects, which is interesting. So lots of questions about Shadesmar. Still. The the interlude that we get back in Way of Kings with the three or sorry, with the yeah. with the two the ardent couple yeah the the two old ardents and they're trying to figure out how this flame spren works they mention the physical realm the cognitive realm and the spiritual realm they do mention all three so there's a little tidbit for you interesting yeah i thought that was wait i was trying to figure out a way to i guess rationalize that so i was like that doesn't make that much sense to me and i almost thought of it like computer code or or like binary for example yeah yeah i was thinking you know like we see like on a computer screen you see your display but like i guess behind there the computer probably has a tons of like ones and zeros and, and stuff like that or whatever yeah um and i thought of it kind of like that and that the the cognitive realm is the nitty gritty almost that like we see things as the complete object, but sure. it's kind of behind the scenes. It's like this weird jumble almost. Um, but yeah, so, I don't still don't understand Shadesmar, but there's a couple of things that happened in this chapter. And one of them is that Yasta has arranged for Shalon to be engaged to Adolin Colin, who we know. Any, any yeah, like what? impressions of this? 
I, I read this and instantly messaged you guys like, what? <laughs> Here's two of our like major characters that have never interacted with each other, don't even know each exist as far as we know, although I, I guess Shalon does know who Adolin is, we find out. And then all of a sudden, chapter one of this book, they're engaged to be married. Like, what? Wow. Was not expecting that. I think it's funny that she just kind of goes with it as well. Like, Right, um, yeah, she expecting... doesn't even blink. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting a much bigger, like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, I don't even know who that is, but she's like yes like let's go like (laughs) excited about it i was i was a little surprised if it if it helps with her reaction at all this whole time she's been thinking about her brothers and how she thinks she's abandoning her family to go to the shattered plains to help yasna but this solves all of her problems if they're if they're in house colin with shallan then nobody's gonna touch them or if they do then literally house colin and at this point probably all of Alethkar would would go help. So if she's if she's married to Adolin Colin, who's in line for the throne, uh behind Dalinar and uh Gavilar's son, then he's like she all of her problems would be solved in her mind. True. I also think this is important and I actually wanted to bring up with kind of a prediction Elliot had made before. So we know Shallan has a shard blade, right? And Elliot was saying that he thinks she's going to be kind of forced to use that at some point for for whatever reason. And I think it may actually be tied to the Colins. So she's been getting real close with Yasna lately, right? And Yasna's kind of been solving all of her problems, these major problems she's having. You know, she offered to, you know, help fix like the Fabriola and stuff like that and basically get her family out of this rut that they're in. And I would bet that at some point, Yasna is going to end up in some serious trouble or serious danger, and I think that is what's going to force Shallan to to use her shard blade, or at least, like... You think Yasna is going to be in trouble and she saves her? Yes. That's just my bold bold out there prediction. I, I like it. I was thinking some some more thoughts about it. I was thinking maybe it would be Adolin. Maybe Adolin's going to get into trouble and she's going to have to come to his rescue with her shard blade going to be blown when this little scholar girl he just got engaged to whips out a shard blade. I'm like, what? That actually would be hilarious. I'd love to see that as well, honestly. But yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be something along those lines where um, she's got a whole lot, I guess, in line with the Colins that the the fear of losing that is gonna be what would spark that to happen. So speaking of Adolin, uh, Shalon going to go save Adolin. What do you guys think will be Adolin's reaction to this betrothal that his mother in law and his sister uh, in law uh, have set up for him? Given his rather active dating life. That's not too thrilled. I mean, who knows? Maybe he is the guy that really is looking for the one to settle down with, and this will be everything he's looking for too. But my guess would be he's probably not going to be too thrilled about this. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with with Elliot on this. I, I think Shalon's side was a little too quick and eager. I think Adolin's side is going to be 
a little more stubborn and questioning just just because I don't see anything like that going that easily in the book. I don't see it being like, oh, yes, and yes, like, let's, that's perfect on both sides. Like, there's got to be some, some catch, you know, so I think there'll be some complication there with Adolin, but I bet it'll work out. Shalon and Romance has not gone so far, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, true. 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 Do you guys have any thoughts on the Santhid that's next to the next to the boat? That's one thing I really wanted to bring up. So one of my words I said was shadows, and part of that being the notion of foreshadowing. Um, so I actually think basically everything we've seen up until this point, all the way through the Way of Kings, there's always been something notable that effectively seems like it, it could be applied later or come back later and this is something important to note and and come back to but i actually think the sandid isn't that important i think it's super cool i I loved that scene especially whenever she you know goes underwater and and looks at it but i think it's basically just a almost a metaphor setting the tone that shallan is going from Ooh, it would be cool if I did that. Like, it'd be cool if I went and saw the Santhid underwater in real life to I'm going and doing that. And I think it's kind of just setting the tone for this book. And we'll probably see a lot of uh, action like this from Shalon. Uh, but I don't think the Santhid itself is actually going to be anything that important. My only thought on the Santhid was I wondered if the Sandthid was actually a bit of a metaphor for Spren and Shadesmar because Yasna Ocean as a as an analogy to describe Shadesmar. Kind of like you, Paul, were using your computer screen to describe Shadesmar. He explains it in a similar way using the the ocean. She says, Out out here you just see the surface, but below that there's so much more that you that you can't even fathom, and when you it's Mar, you're entering this whole new world. I, I felt like the Sandthid was just kind of an example of this world has so much more in it than you can possibly. And when she goes underwater and sees that, like its tentacles just reach all the way down into the darkness and keep going and have no end, it makes me wonder if Shadesmar kind of is this this huge ball of yarn to be unraveled that just has no end. There's so much more there than than we even think now that that was the only thing i could think of is mm-hmm. what I mean i think this is also a scene I, I agree with that entirely but i think this is also a scene that would just be cool on a movie oh or yeah a show or something like that just really really cool imagery but yeah i agree speaking of There's... cool imagery if you guys would like to pull up this piece of artwork that i've put in the discord elliot there's a similar picture in the book for you but for Paul specifically, uh, this is a this is a picture of a Santhid from Ashley Code. And uh, any thoughts on this picture? That looks very different from how I internally envisioned it. But I think my my internal image was very poor uh, and not doing much justice to what a Santhid would look like. I think that's a really really awesome picture. I really like that. It talked a lot about like the big eye kind of staring right at her, and I mm-hmm. think that captures that really well. Yeah, I was swayed a bit by the the sketch, the 
the illustration that's in the in the book. I I couldn't quite wrap my mind around what this was being described as, kind of like a, a turtle and a jellyfish mixed together. Yep. But the the picture in the book, yeah, is is rather similar to to this, and I I really like it. The it did seem to be rather important that it has this like all knowing eye where you're like steps of this wise old creature, which this picture really depicts pretty, pretty well. Yeah. This is one of the first uh, pieces of fan art I ever saw from the storm that archive. And I thought it was really good because it's definitely, definitely based off that sketch that you see in words of radiance, which is actually supposed to be Shalon's sketch. And so this picture is stepping back about 10 feet from that sketch and just including Shalon and a little bit wider view of the Santhid. Probably not something you're going to keep as a pet. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. You have a big enough fish tank, you know? Got a big enough pool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you do get high storms, so just dig a huge ditch and... Put it in there. There we go. Fair enough. Alrighty. Any any more thoughts on this Shalon chapter? Just something real quick on on Shalon and kind of some of the change that she's she's undergoing. She she kind of tries to process in this chapter a little bit of why Yasna carries this like presence or charisma where people just like move out of her way without her saying anything and they they immediately do whatever she asks because she just has this power and she like asks yasna how do i get that power and, and yasna kind of explains well it's all a bit of an illusion actually if you just carry yourself and believe it then if you have that confidence then then people will will believe you and at the very end of the chapter shalon tries to use that power it's actually how she gets that chance to go look at the at the santhid as she just orders the captain stop the boat and let me down and and I noted that interesting discussion there, and I, and I like it, but I wonder if Shalon trying to become more like Yasna is going to change her in maybe a way that she... I think a lot of the charm and a lot of the good quality of Shalon is her innocence and kind of her, her honesty and tackle trying to use those powers of... It's not like full-on deception, but that you know confidence and that... I don't know. Persona, it doesn't really seem like her. And I'm wondering if that's going to change her for me the better. Let me just get this straight. Did you just use the word honesty to describe Shalon? I, I, I did. Really? And I realized I'm using honesty to describe the, the person probably hiding the biggest secret in this, in this, <laughs> in this book. So I'll, I'll maybe clarify of just saying like her childlikeness and her the fact that she doesn't try to pretend to be something she's not. But see, even if you say it that way, it doesn't even make sense because she is innocent. I'll stick with innocence. She's innocent. She might be losing it if she tries to become Yasna. I think I'm going to take this clip out of context later for uh, future reference. Oh, don't, boy. Don't, worry about <laughs> don't worry about it. Very cool. Going to regret that soundbite. All right. Chapter two. Kaladin. We have reunited with Kaladin after our break from the Way of Kings, and it is the morning after the fireside re relax that he has at the end of the Way of Kings. And 
he wakes up after a high storm. Some of his bridgemen are showering after the high storm and whatever. And he goes on a stroll through Dalinar's camp with his with his men. Any any anyone want to pick this up? I first thing I noted in this in this chapter. First off, there wasn't a whole lot of like really important things I didn't think in this chapter. There's a few things for sure, but this this was a lot of just kind of adjusting to the new normal like for for bridge four figuring out okay where where are we now where are we going how are we settling in as dalinar's personal guard that bridgman have become basically and i noted the first challenge in front of kaladin and kaladin notes this too i i think he's talking about it with either teft or moash i forget moash. kaladin did an amazing job of inspiring life back into the 25 or so men of bridge four now his task is to inspire that same life back into a thousand bridgemen that's going to be really hard kaladin did an amazing job with the men of bridge four because he was able to connect with them on a personal level like he the first thing he did was he went around and he learned all of their names there's no way he can do that with a thousand bridgemen there's no way he can you know personally feed a thousand Bridgman with a stew that he spent his, you know, life savings on basically. So he's going to have to find new ways to breathe life into these men that are on the brink of despair basically. And that's, I think it's going to be a lot harder for him. I think something that you can think about that is yes, it's going to be a lot harder for him to make it personal for them as he did with bridge four. However, Dalinar's men talk highly of, Dalinar and they are inspired by Dalinar and Dalinar doesn't know all of his men personally so Kaladin can certainly learn something from him in order for for leading men because Dalinar's used to it and Kaladin I mean he's had a squad before of I don't remember how many was in a squad in chapter one of the wave kings but that's the most leadership he's had before this I think the way that this will kind of go down, and I'm kind of excited for it. Um, I think we're definitely going to see a lot of the duties and work. Obviously, Kaladin can't do everything, so it's kind of being allocated between his original bridge crew, right? Um, and there's kind of going to be a lot of work dispersed between them. And I think we're going to see like the inspiration he, you know, gave to his bridge crew be spread by kind of everyone in that crew um, to to the thousand men. And I'm also excited because I think each of the bridge crew, original bridge crew members will kind of steadily become more, more notable characters. I kind of always thought of them as minor characters. You never knew which one was going to die in the next bridge run and stuff. Kind of sad, but never got too attached to any of them, I guess. You know, Moash, and I, even though I do really love Sigzel, um, kind of all of them there. Scar, I mean, they're the major ones like Rock and Teft and everything. But I think, you know, now that we're kind of setting into this more normal pace, um, I think each of them are going to become more well rounded and we're going to learn about each of them and stuff. And so I'm really excited um, to see where that goes and to learn more about them. 
and see how uh, the way Kaladin affected them, how they can then take that and affect others. So. Something I'd like to highlight here. Rock has just been appointed a lieutenant in a bodyguard corps for Dalinar. Granted, he's a cook, but he still has bodyguard duties. He has refused to fight in the past. Any thoughts on this? I don't know if I have any specific thoughts on that. I guess I've kind of assumed up to this point where if if push came to shove, if, if Rock had to protect someone, that he would. You know, maybe he'd try to avoid killing someone, but, you know, if, if someone attacked one of the men of, of Bridge 4, I've been assuming Rock is going to jump in there and defend. Maybe I'm wrong, though. No, you mentioned it. there's got to be a breakthrough moment, right? Like, there's got to be the... It's going to be a really cool scene, I would guess, where uh, Rock does jump in and either defend... It probably would be, like, a defense thing. Like, he's tasked with, you know, protecting Dalinar or, or uh, others. And uh, when push comes to shove, yeah, I think he would fight, even though he's very against it. I bet it'll be, like, super awesome if he does like I, I would definitely look forward to reading that so i wonder though if it it might be a bit of like a moral or religious dilemma for him though i wonder if he would feel like he's betraying his faith in that moment if he did be get faced with that kind of dilemma and while yes i think it would be cool to see rock come out you know the big burly guy come out and and the beat down on on the enemy but at the same time, I wonder if that would be a huge struggle for him. I've kind of gotten the impression that he like believes that's wrong for him or something like that. So it might be, might be a little difficult for him if that becomes the case. Mm-hmm. He he refuses to to kill like to fight is what he says to the point where he doesn't even train. So he is everybody else has been training with the spear for I don't know about a month now um, in the chasms. And he hasn't. He has been been sitting there watching. So, for as far as we know, he doesn't know how to use a spear. He does know how to use a bow, and uh, we've seen that before. But he does not know how to use a spear, as far as we know. Bridge four. I'll go get tattoos. Anyone wanna? Anyone hey. wanna see this or talk about this scene? I thought that was super cool. Actually, I really liked that because it was kind of a... It was almost like a... I don't know how to describe it. I want to say rebirth, but I don't know if that's fitting. Um, this is kind of like the the fresh start for Bridge 4. They're all, you know, freed, you know, out of their, their past situation, which was so horrible. And now they're, you know all together and they're free and and they have i guess a normal life now and so this is kind of a group activity where they go and kind of re-identify themselves and i thought that was super super awesome and also it was it was a pretty like funny time there and there's some you know funny moments and everything and doesn't even the i forgot the name already um the the parchman mm-hmm. bridgeman go with them oh yeah shen yep Yes, Shen. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. I 
was a little yeah. confused, honestly. I mean, it made sense, but also like I was a little, little like, I don't know. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Quick, quick note on Shen. I totally agree. But after the events that happened, he was going to start like pulling away from the Mena Bridge forward and, and like distancing himself or kind of retreating within his shell. It seems like the opposite is happening. He comes in and he insists on getting the tattoo, which that, yeah, that struck me as really interesting and, and kind of odd. But yeah, the, the tattoos, super interesting. I thought of Rebirth too, or kind of the, we're, we're, we're erasing the past and here's a chance to get a fresh start kind of thing. They're, they're covering up their slave brands with this new tattoo that means freedom. And I thought it was cool how Kaladin or, or somebody describes it as this is your writ of freedom tattooed on your forehead so that nobody can disagree with you when you say I've been freed because it's written right on your face. And I thought that was kind of kind of interesting, but also incredibly symbolic that Kaladin's tattoo won't stick. Mm-hmm. The fact that all of these men get to kind of erase their past and get a fresh start, but Kaladin doesn't. He doesn't not get to erase who he was and get a fresh start he is the, the way i kind of as he he is forever changed by the things that have happened to him and there's there's nothing he can do to erase that that that's now become so much of who he is that that he doesn't get a fresh start if you will i thought of the perfect word and you kind of mentioned it but it's a rebranding of sorts ah so, yes yeah um, they they're all covering their their brands and yeah awesome but yeah yeah I like exactly what you said with about Kaladin um, he's a little further defined by this than the other Bridgman and I think it was kind of fitting that his tattoo wouldn't wouldn't go or wouldn't stick you know kind of kind of wild yeah. yeah I'm I'm glad that you both picked up on that because that's that's really cool that. From a, a a legal perspective, I want to I want to highlight this for a second. Shen is a parchment, and he also has a writ of freedom. So, as far as legal concerns, Shen is no longer a slave. However, as far as we know, Shen can't really think for himself. We've been told that parchment kind of just stand there until someone tells them what to do. So part so Shen in, insists on getting this tattoo to to tell everyone that he is freed. But as far as like as far as we know he's not going to do anything with it. He just wanted the ta- the tattoo with the with the other bridgeman. So I I kind of thought it almost like the the little like 3-year-old that's hanging out with the 8-year-olds, you know, whatever the 8-year-olds want to do. Oh, me too, me too. I want one too kind of thing. Right. But maybe it's more way. than that. Maybe maybe it's more meaningful than we think it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know where that's going to go. Shen is kind of my biggest question mark at the moment as far as like current things that are happening just kind of casually. Um, and yeah, I get that that vibe about it that he was like, yeah, like I need to get this too. All the, All everyone's getting it, but doesn't fully understand you know what's going on um we still have a lot of questions about parchment and what they are and are not capable of and what they do and do not understand 
Um, yeah, I have no clue what a freed parchment will do, what Shen will do. I don't know. A little lost with Shen. Ever, ever since he's been added, I know he's got to be something major and something bigger has to happen. And I thought it was going to happen with the, like, I guess, desecration of the Parshendi in the Way Kings where they use, you know, bones basically to taunt. Um, I thought stuff was going to happen there, but surprisingly it didn't. They just kind of left him behind and things kind of were okay. And I don't know when that's really going to come into fruition, but... I thought so too. I thought that was a, that's another thing I thought was going to become important in, in Way of Kings was Shen's wasn't. He was kind of more in the background whole time. We got a few interactions with him, but nothing too huge. So maybe this book will learn why Shen's important. So why doesn't Kaladin go reveal himself to Dalinar? So this is my big question coming out of, of chapter two is Kaladin makes a decision to not reveal his powers, not just to Dalinar, but also to kind of the wider community. Teft, I think, is him to, hey, man, you got to you gotta show people what you can do. You got to inspire the men. Maybe it's not Teft, but I think, I think it was. It's Teft. Okay, yeah. Yeah, interesting mindset that he's got here of I don't want to quite reveal myself yet. And I think that's probably wise. I mean... From our perspective, we know a lot more than they do, and we know that Zeth is on his way. We know that Zeth is coming. I mean, they actually talk about the assassin in white, don't they? Mm -hmm. That's the the talk of him in the world. They don't know he's coming for them, but we know Zeth is on the way. I think the longer Kaladin can keep his abilities hidden, the better they're going to be able to face Zeth. If, if Zeth learns that there's another surge binder here in the camp, that's probably going to be target number one. Uh, of his is take down Kaladin first and then go on to Dalinar. So I think in the big picture, this is probably a smart move here, but it, it is definitely a little bit odd. It's like we know Dalinar has seen him use these abilities before. It's just kind of a question of, was he too delirious to really trust what he was seeing or remember what he saw tower out on the, the plateaus. So I, I would think Kaladin would show him his abilities and, and they could use that to better protect Dalinar, or even use that in their plans that they're that of, of what comes next, but he decides not to. Dalinar has a a more forgiving perspective of the Knights Radiant than most other people, but of course Kaladin doesn't know that. So, all right, any closing thoughts on this first first episode of Words of Radiance, gentlemen? I'm very, very excited to see Shalon's story. I'm already kind of enthralled in it and super invested. So, yeah. So I'm really excited for that. I think the Kaladin chapters are actually my least favorite so far. They seem more world-building, you know? So Here comes the flip. Yep. <laughs> I, I, too, am excited for the Shalon chapters here to see where she's she's going i feel like things are going to get probably be exciting here once all our characters are in the same place once once we're all on the shattered planes once shallan and you get there then i feel like stuff can really start happening like the 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 earth shattering groundbreaking history making 
moments might might occur then. So I'm excited to get to that if we get to that. Who knows? Maybe Shalon and, and Yasna sink in the ocean, don't even make it, but <laughs> I'm excited. Alright. We can we can wrap it up there. Thanks for thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot, and we'll reconvene next week. Indeed. Mm-hmm.